Bonnie uh, midweek service. If you guys please stand with me, we'll begin with the word of prayer. And thank you for welcoming us into your home, everybody on the live stream service. Um, uh, looking forward to getting into the word together tonight. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Lord, just thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us all here. Um, again, Lord, I'm so grateful for your, um, your love and, and grace and mercy upon our lives, Lord. And uh, just looking forward to uh, the, the study today, Lord, praying for our pastor. Let you uh, speak through him, Lord, as we uh, open your word together. Pray you teach us all, Lord, what we need to be taught, Lord. May you just, uh, by your spirit, Lord, um, convict, Lord, encourage. And uh, we're just so grateful, Lord, that as we come together, Lord, that we are, 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 are positive, Lord, that you're going to do a work tonight, Lord. And we pray that that happens in my heart, Lord, and all my brothers and sisters' hearts, Lord, as well. Um, again, we thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. Let the praise go up as the walls come down No creation Everything with breath repeat the sound All his children Clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good guide His name is Jesus 
Let the praise go up as the walls come down All creation, everything with breath Repeat the sound, all his children Clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God His name is Jesus So don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth God is madly in love with you Take courage, hold on, be strong Remember where help comes from Desperate. 
a seat if you'd like.
Well, we want to welcome all of you guys. What a what an incredible blessing it is to be able to gather, even just sitting there on the sidelines, hearing you worship out in the open, um, seeing the neighbors walk by and um, wondering what we're doing, right? The uh, COVID-2020 church, uh, worshiping out um, to the Lord in the open. What an uh, amazing privilege it is to be able to gather together. And even as a church where normally we've been inside, now we get to come outside and some might look at it as an inconvenience. What an amazing privilege it is to be able to um, exalt the name of God out in the open to our neighbors, welcoming them to come in. And so we, we're so blessed that you guys are here. Uh, with that said, though, we're, uh, we're out in the open. And so uh, you know that um, you know people are going to be watching. They're going to be looking. We have to be on our best behavior. So we just want to remind you uh, to make sure that... Uh, that we stay careful, that we um, do everything that it is that we're told to be do, which is right now uh, for the time being to wear our mask. Um, you know, you guys are look like you're pretty good. Make sure that we're sitting, uh, you know, at the appropriate length and so forth. And, um, and just to be good witnesses to those that are here. Amen. And so uh, we're, uh, I just want to remind you of a couple things. We have some um, services that we're uh, meeting together we're, we're for the moment are going to be meeting outside the men have been getting together on wednesdays at 7 p.m to study the book of romans uh, we're still having uh, midweek service on thursdays at 7 p.m uh, the signals and the uh, young adults are getting together on fridays and then the men um, if you're available on saturday mornings we're going to be getting together studying the proverbs and uh, and getting into prayer together and so we want to encourage all of you uh, to join us if you can uh, remember that uh, there's still an opportunity to watch this through live stream, even though this, uh, there, there is no um, comparison. Amen. You know, those of you that are watching us through live stream, we want to welcome you, but there's nothing like being uh, together as a church. And so we want to welcome uh, you to join us as well uh, for our uh, in-seating um, services. Uh, so with that said, uh, we're going to um, just uh, bow our heads in prayer and ask God to, to bless us today. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity, like I mentioned, to, to gather in your name, uh, Lord, to gather in the open air outside, and to declare your goodness, to declare the fact that, Lord, um, we place our hope in you. Uh, Lord, thank you, God, for this amazing privilege, Lord, that during these times uh, where there's so many people that are uh, afraid, they're, they're depressed, they're, they don't know what to do, God, that, um, Lord, we can... Let them know, Lord, that it's, uh, it's Jesus, that you are the answer, God. And so we just pray, uh, Father, that you would reveal yourself to everyone here, all our neighbors, Lord, and that um, you would be exalted, Lord, as we continue in worship and as uh, your word is taught, uh, we pray that you would be glorified in every aspect, Lord. And we lift up um, anyone that is here that is hurting in any way, Father, whether it be physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, Lord, we, we pray that you comfort them. We pray that you have your hand, Lord, um, of love upon their lives. And anyone that is watching, Lord, we lift them up to you. We know, God, that you know who it is that needs your touch, Lord. And so we trust that, uh, that you're there with them. So we thank you. We, we praise you, Father. And we ask that you be with us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, I have to reset up my music.
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for allowing us another opportunity, Lord, to worship you, God. You are so worthy, Lord, to be praised. And I ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts in such a way that, Lord, we would just be constantly singing and lifting you up and adoring you, Lord, thanking you for our salvation, thanking you for, Lord, the way that you take care of us every single moment of our life. And Lord, we are here to worship. We are here to seek you, Lord. We are here to ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would touch us tonight and teach us your word. Father God, uh, just praying for your people. Lord, here, thank you for those that have come. Uh, thank you for those that are watching. Lord, we pray an anointing upon our time together, Father. We thank you that any time we seek you with an open heart, Lord, that you will always honor those steps of faith. And so, Lord, be glorified today. Uh, we do love you. We thank you. Uh, we lift up our nation, our leaders, asking, Father, for you to give them wisdom, asking for you to bring salvation to those who don't know you, and asking that you protect our nation, Lord, from anything, any type of evil, God, that you would uh, have your hand upon our country. And I know, Lord, we deserve judgment. Lord, I know uh, we deserve uh, that. But God, uh, let our hearts return to you. In a time like this, let your church fall in love with you. Let your church be praying and, and be fighting with spiritual weapons. And so, Father, do a great work, we pray. And as a church, we thank you for tonight. Be glorified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can say hi to those who are around you. Wow, uh, so cool to see you guys. Doesn't I know it, it's actually getting a little cold, huh? but I don't know about you, I, but it, it feels good out here. And I know that, um, that when we go back into the building and we're in the air conditioning and we've got the, the big base box going, it's going to be a blessing being in there. Um, I, I don't know. I've always had that type of heart. I've always had that type of optimistic attitude that um, God is sovereign and that he is going to take everything that's going on and he's going to use it for good. I believe that with all my heart. And so um, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't fight. It doesn't mean that we don't ask God for wisdom. And certain times, you know, there's a little resistance and things like that. But um, we do trust the Lord. And so um, before we start, I wanted to just mention a few prayer requests. Uh, some of you might uh, know this already, but just in case you didn't, uh, Pastor Raw. Uh, ended up getting the virus. He contracted the virus. And so, I don't know. I just, you know, he's my pastor. And uh, I saw him on Instagram. And it, he looked great. He was joking around and everything. But um, I just ask that you pray for him, you know, because uh, him and his wife, Sharon, is she's a, she's fighting cancer. And so I just, I just don't want it to get any worse. And so please keep him in prayer. Uh, another individual uh, that we got uh, news today. Some of you guys know uh, Mary and Tony Franco. Uh, Tony, is uh, he has pretty much all the symptoms, but he hasn't taken the test yet. 
Um, but he lost his uh, taste and uh, I think smell and uh, just it looks like it. So if you could keep them in prayer. And then I also got a prayer request. Some of you might know Angie Cortez and her husband David. Um, they uh, sent us a request. And basically there's a family, a friend of, of, of them in uh, Arizona, the Hidalgos. Maybe you can write their name down because, man, they are going through it. We're talking about a combination of multiple people having the virus, um, uh, some of them uh, fighting cancer while they have it, some of the caretakers uh, of the elderly parents that are in this situation. And so Angie sent in a prayer request. She said, I, I don't know what else to do. And, you know, I think in, in one sense I told her that's the best thing you can do, sister, is to pray and, and let us know. And I told her that I would let the congregation know as well. Uh, to pray. And so let's uh, go before the Lord one more time. Lord, we just come as a church, Father, and just uh, thanking you that we can pray. And I remember what you told Hezekiah. You told him, because you prayed, uh, Lord, because he prayed and he spread the whole matter out before you, you sent an angel and he came and rescued your people. And so, Lord, we're here. We're praying for Pastor Raw. We're praying for Pastor, uh, we're praying for Sharon. Uh, his wife, Lord, that you would uh, protect them in every way that it wouldn't get any worse. Please have your hand upon him and encourage him. Thank you for, for healing Henry. Thank you for him being here today, Lord. Uh, and just uh, continue, Lord, to protect your church in every way. Father, I lift up the Hidalgos to you as well, Father, and just ask that you would uh, be merciful, Lord. I pray uh, that you would encourage them. I don't really know where they stand in their relationship with you, of course, we know the first is that. And so, Lord, may you uh, be with them spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and protect them. And I lift up, uh, Lord, um, all those going through this, uh, Tony and, and Mary, and uh, just asking, Lord, that you do a great work uh, in them and protect them, Father. So, again, we love you. We thank you that we can study your word tonight. We ask for your anointing, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, if you have a Bible tonight, let's open up to Proverbs chapter. Proverbs chapter 10. And today we're going to cover verses 14 through 22. And, you know, if you have a Bible, you're going to get so much more out of it. If not, uh, for whatever reason, you really have to listen hard. But, you know, our desire as a church is to feed you. How many of you here like to eat? I'm just curious. I mean, we love to eat, right? We, I don't know, today I, I had my, you know, energy drink and I had my, uh, you know, my, my uh, bar uh, lunch for lunch. And, um, and so I'm looking forward to dinner tonight. And so if we don't eat, we die. But as we eat, and you guys know when you started as a child, you got the milk and then eventually you graduated to other things. And what that did is it contributed to your growth. Okay, so that's why uh, Pastor Chuck, uh, the Lord just showed him, hey, when you get together as a church, just teach the Bible. Some might think that they need more than that, but um, we don't. And as we're teaching the Word... God will build you up as a church. And so, um, and 
Cynthia. Okay, there we go. Today we're going to be in Proverbs 10, uh, 14 through 32. And we begin in verse 14, where we read, Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. And so, um, the Proverbs, man, they're so cool. Um, they'll keep you alive. They'll keep you out of jail. They'll protect your marriage. They'll protect you financially. They'll keep you um, from living a life that is absolutely scandalous and foolish. And so, praise God for the, the Proverbs. Um, I, I know, like I've mentioned to you many times, if it weren't for the Word of God and especially the Proverbs, I, I wouldn't have any common sense. I, I wouldn't know what way to go. But as we go through the Proverbs, God is going to equip us. Imagine if one day, some of you guys here, let me ask you a question. Are you wise? Are you a wise guy? How about you gals? Are you wise gals? You know, there might be some uh, that unfortunately, because they don't obey God's word, they don't know God's word, they don't have a, the power to uh, keep it, they're fools. What a fool. And they used to come to church and they used to sit in the studies and all this crazy thing, all these things that are going on, all because they didn't really open up their hearts to things like this. Right here it says that wise people store up knowledge, uh, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. And so basically what we're reading right here is that wise people have a heart to learn and to know God. And to know his word more and more, right? But the fool is more interested in talking than learning. And his mouth, we're going to see, is his ruin. Uh, there's a, another proverb in Proverbs 18.7. It says, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. And so I think we know that to be true, don't we? You know, not simply through the exposition of God's word, but I think we know that through experience in life, Right? But, you know, even though that tongue in your mouth is so tiny, it starts troubles big time. If by the Spirit of God, however, you know, we can tame our tongue, then we won't lose our job. Then we won't lose our friends. Then we won't lose our wife. We won't lose our husband. We won't, uh, uh, you know, lose if we choose to tame our tongue. You know, Psalm 141 in verse 3 is a great prayer uh, to memorize. It says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, you want to see your mouth that way. You know, Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 is a great New Testament passage. It says, let your speech always be seasoned with salt, with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so imagine, man, you're in a conversation and the Lord gives you the response. The Lord gives you the words. I mean, you actually walk around as an inspired Christian because your grace is seasoned, your, your, your speech is, is gracious and seasoned with salt. And so we're going to talk a lot about the tongue tonight because really that's a huge thing. Did you guys know that if you can tame your tongue, that you are considered a perfect man or a mature man? That's what the Bible says in James chapter 3. And so we're going to talk a lot about that today. Okay, verse 15, it says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city, 
The destruction of the poor is their poverty. And so basically what we see right here is the wealth of the rich man kind of fences him in and protects him from many invading evils. But it also leads him to rest on that protection as his comfort and security in life. I mean, the guy's rich, and so in one sense, he doesn't really turn to God. He doesn't need God. He's got everything that he needs, right? And so we see that uh, about the rich man, but then he says the poor, they have no such defense. They live in a city that has no walls, and basically basically they're exposed to every attack, okay? And so um, you look at that from different angles, but, but one thing we're going to see in the Proverbs that is that both the rich and the poor need the Lord. Amen? Rich or poor? How many of you here are rich? Do you have a toilet? You're rich. You have electricity? You're rich. You have a phone? You're rich. You have food? You're rich. You guys compare yourself to the rest of the world. You're rich. You're like, no, I'm poor. I mean... I'm sorry, but you just have to travel a little bit and you're going to see how rich you really are. But, but, at, but at the end of the day, I know you're, you know you're comparing yourself to other people and you're saying, Manny, I, I'm poor. Um, here's the cool thing about being poor is that a lot of times the poor people are more open to the Lord. You know, it's not a blanket statement, but generally speaking, the poor are open to the gospel, which is why James said in James chapter 2, verse 5, he said, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? And so generally speaking, the rich don't seek God because they have everything they need a lot of times. But the poor, generally speaking, they're more open to the gospel because they know they need him, right? And so we're going to see uh, more of this as we travel through the Proverbs as well. And so be so careful. You know, you're here and you're like, I want to win the lottery. You know, I want to get rich. I want to make money. I want a second job. I want to work overtime. And then you begin to accumulate a whole bunch of things and whatever. Maybe even your bank account grows. But then as a result of that, you're distracted with all these other things. And next thing you know, you can't even sleep at night because you're wondering about your worrying about your money. So you might be better off being content with what you have. Verse 16, it says, The labor of the righteous leads to life, and the wages of the wicked to sin. And so, you know, we can probably look at this passage materially or spiritually. Now, materially speaking, the earnings of the godly enhance their lives. But evil people squander their money on sin. And so, you know, we work as Christians and earn and spend our money on things that are good for us and others. And so that's the good side. While the wages of the wicked are spent many times on sin. Some of you guys, before you were Christians, you know, you get paid, you go buy some beer, you go buy some drugs. You know, you go and do other things. That's what he's saying right here. So there is a a material application, physical application. But I think it's primarily, uh, I have a hunch, spiritually. Part of the reason is because of what Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans 6.23. He said, for the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so not that we labor for our salvation, not that we work uh, to be uh, saved, but when he talks about the labor of the righteous, I can't help but think of a couple of things. Number one, remember when all the people were following Jesus because he was feeding them fish tacos? You guys remember that? And uh, then he started telling them, hey, you guys are just following me for the food. And then what ended up happening is they said, well, okay, well, tell us what works we need to do to be saved. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 6. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died for you? Then why aren't you living for him? And there's a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus and his cross and his sacrifice and his suffering and his blood and his righteousness and his word and his truth. But a lot of times, their life doesn't reflect that. So when you believe and you start laboring for the Lord, working for God, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, following him with a reckless abandon, let me tell you something. That leads to life. And that's kind of what he's saying right here. You know, it's not just that. Uh, it's interesting. Have you guys ever heard that phrase, it takes money to make money? Have you heard that? Well, the, the same mentality kind of works spiritually. It takes life in order to labor for more life. Notice again what the passage says, the labor of the righteous leads to life. I tell you what, you start getting on your knees and praying. You start going out and evangelizing. You start going out and sharing the gospel. You start expressing love to people that God is leading you to. Your labor will lead to life. And that's an awesome thought when you really think about it. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll be in Proverbs 11.30, and it says, He who wins souls is wise. So I want to encourage you. Is there anyone that you're reaching out to? Is there anyone that maybe God has been laying on your heart and, and he's saying, hey, I want you to evangelize them. If not, um, you're lukewarm at best. There always has to be people that God's laying on your heart to reach out to. Sometimes he'll just bring them in your path, but other times they're family members or neighbors or just people that God will lay on your heart. You see, the labor of the righteous, it, it leads to life, life for them, life for us, abundant life but the wages of the wicked uh, to sin. And that's why 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. one of my favorite passages is, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not vain in the Lord. I know many of you are, and I praise God for that. But I just want to make sure if you're watching or maybe, uh, I don't know, somehow you get this message that you are truly serving God. The next verse I think is related to that. Notice what it says in verse 17. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And so, you know, when you have that heart to obey, it, it kind of 
proves that you're on the way to heaven. You're on that pathway to life, huh? I mean, if a person is not really uh, interested, if it doesn't consume them, then maybe they're not Christians. Maybe they're just moral. You know, there are some individuals that the Bible talks about in Second uh, Timothy. It talks about these two guys that were always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, for us, we have to have that heart to keep instruction. You know, but the one with the heart to, to disobey, they go astray. The one not interested in instruction, they prefer not to be taught. They don't want to go to the Bible study. They don't want to hear any type of negative, you know, like rebuke or correction or anything like that. He says, and that individual will go astray. And we're going to see a lot of this in the Proverbs. Uh, one of the things I want to encourage you guys in, uh, if you really want to be strong as a Christian, I want to encourage you to be open to rebuke, to be open to the wounds of a friend. That if someone points out uh, an area where maybe you're falling short or you're, you're, you know, you're flawed or maybe a blind spot that you have, they, they come and they ask you to do something or they correct you, that you don't immediately allow your pride to ruin you. We really have to be open to correction. Ecclesiastes 4.13, it says, Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. I mean, you got this young person, you know, a kid, uh, maybe a youth, you know, but in, in one sense, they're wise because, I don't know, they, they love the Lord. And sometimes you see these young people like that and, and they don't have a, like a position. They don't have a lot of money. But then you compare them to the king over there and the king, you know, he's, he's top gun, but he's not open. He's not open to anyone correcting him or admonishing him or warning him or teaching him. And, and Ecclesiastes says, man, it, it's better to be that that little kid than that king. You know, Charles Bridges said, the more we value discipline, the more we will take note of every practical lesson we learn in the heavenly school. But the person who ignores correction is deaf to the voice that would save him from ruin. And I don't know, you know, who's watching. I don't know everyone's situation here. But, the Lord wants to warn you lest you go to hell. The Lord wants to warn you lest you die. The Lord wants to warn you lest you miss out on his plan for your life. The Lord wants to warn you lest you end up in jail. I mean, there's so many things. I know people who, they didn't heed the warning of God. They went out, well, it's no big deal. We'll get drunk tonight. They get in their car and they kill someone because they were drunk driving. I mean, I pray that we would be open to the warnings. You know, verse 18, it says, Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. So again, we're going to talk a lot about the tongue tonight, but it begins here with this individual, and it may be two different people, or maybe one person with two faces. 
You know, on one side, there, there's this one who hates you, but they wouldn't say it to your face. They, they might not even say it to anyone else, but they hate you. Um, hopefully you guys don't have anybody like that in your life, but I have a feeling that because we're Christians, we do, especially if you stand for righteousness, because Jesus said they hated me. And they're going to hate you. So anyways, um, there are some people who have that heart. But then he also mentions, uh, kind of on the flip side, is the one who, who slanders you. And what we see is both of these characteristics are not good. And my prayer is that it wouldn't be descriptive of, of any of us. I mean, where there would be no hatred in our hearts, where there would be no lies on our lips, where there would never be any slander that we spread. And so, just for a moment, search your heart. Do you, do you ever talk um, negative about other people while they're not around? Do you slander them? Do you backbite them? You know, you may be a good person, but you might be guilty of this. And, and I think when God really wants to clean up our life, and he wants to make you a wise guy or wise gal, then you stop it. Stop it. If you want to say something about someone that needs to be said, say it to the Lord and then say it to them. You know, Proverbs 26, 26, it says, Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. You know, here's a guy who has hate. And he, you know, he thinks he has everyone's, dis, you know, you know, convinced that he's good, but inside of his heart, there's hate. And God says one day the whole congregation is going to find out. And so we have to be careful about that hate. We have to be careful about every single word we speak. Did you know Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six? But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. Now, someone might look at that and say, oh, that's not applicable to me. I'm a Christian. Well, I just, I don't know exactly how that works. I do know that some Christians won't receive as great a reward as others. First John 2.28, it talks about some will be ashamed. And one day when we stand at the Bema seat, God will reward us accordingly. Maybe it will be because of words that you spoke that you thought were idle and no one heard that you will lose an aspect of reward. And so be careful with every idle word. You know, Psalms 101 verse 5, it says, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, God says, him I will not endure. And so I've always had this in my heart. You can talk to my wife or, or my kids. I mean, sometimes I know, you know, you need to have those conversations. But even in that, I cringe. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to say anything bad about my brother, about my sister, about anyone. Lord, help me in this. I mean, I, I wish we could take our words back, but once they're out, they're out. I, I read a story about an author by the name of Theodore Rankin, and he faced execution in 1646 because he had slandered King Christian IV of Denmark with a book he'd written. 
And so the king offered him the option of either eating his book or being executed. And so what do you think he did? He ate his book. He, uh, he, he soaked it and he, he soaked it in soup and he ate every single page. And, you know, you look at that and, and, you know, the things that we say, sometimes we think we're harmless and we wish we could take them back. We could eat the book and it's gone. But, but we can't. You know, one of the things that I've learned in life is that we can just keep talking and get in trouble. Did you know that it's easy to make a mountain out of a molehill? Did you guys know that? All you got to do is keep adding dirt, right? And that's what ends up happening. I read a story about a dog who stole a man's steak. And so the man said, I won't whip thee, I won't stone thee, but I will give thee a bad name. And so as the dog ran away, the man shouted, bad dog, bad dog, bad dog. And so soon a group of people were chasing the dog and they shouted, bad dog, bad dog. And then others heard them and next thing you know, they started shouting, mad dog. Mad dog. And the dog looked at him. No, I'm joking. Mad dog. Mad dog. <laughs> and then a man nearby heard their words and he thought the dog was dangerous. So he got his gun and shot the dog dead. How did it start? Just adding dirt to the molehill. Be careful, lest there be blood on your hands. There's a danger to self. And there's a danger to others when we slander. Verse 19, it says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Or another version puts it this way, When words abound, transgression is inevitable, but the one who restrains his words is wise. One, one person said, Conversation is merely the exercise of the tongue, when no other human faculty is a part of it, then this proverb is applicable. Sometimes, man, our mouth, it just runs and our brains are not, you know, going together, right? Our brains are bad and our hearts are not in sync with the spirit. You know, my heart, it, it really goes out to people who sometimes um, they... For whatever reason, and you know what? You always try to be understanding with individuals. Usually when someone just keeps on talking, keeps on talking, keeps on talking, they're either lonely or, you know, something's, going something's broken with them emotionally. But by the Spirit of God, they can be healed. You know, I, I pray that we would know when it's time to stop talking. You know, sometimes they never know that location or that observation when there's a time to stop. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7 says there's a time to be silent, right? You, you would think it's easy to know when. You know, well, it's time. You, you've been talking for 20 minutes now. Let someone else have a chance. But unfortunately, we never learn. Uh, a true story of a lady who approached D.L. Moody with the words, and she said to him, my talent is to speak my mind. Have you ever met someone like that? They're like, hey, I just tell it like it is. I shoot from the hip. And they're, they're proud. They're all proud of that. 
You know, and John Wesley said, uh, that's one talent that I don't think God would mind for you to bury. <laughs> you know, you have to ask God, um, is it okay for me to share this? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, A fool's voice is known by his many words. He just keeps on talking. And then you wonder why people run. <laughs> It was said of an old sanctified Christian, the older he grew, the less he spoke, and the more he said. I like that. Verse 20, it says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. You guys notice again how they're talking about the tongue just over and over again? That little bit. Um, it, it, it's, you guys remember James chapter 3 it talks about how it steers the whole ship you know that, that little bit uh, it, 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 um, it steers the, the horse that little rudder it, it steers the whole ship your tongue I mean that's, that's the key right because Luke 6.45 says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and so the mouth reveals what's in the heart and so here we see the tongue of the righteous is not just silver, it's choice silver. So valuable are the words of truth and wisdom that flow forth from the righteous. I mean, the things that, that can come out, huh? The things that, you know, that would bring salvation, the, the, the gospel, their preaching can save your soul. The, the words that they share and the warnings can keep you out of jail. Uh, the way that they share will keep you maybe in the word and, and being able to be blessed by God in multiple ways. I mean, we're talking beyond silver. We're talking sterling silver, the best silver. And so when you learn the word and you just, by the spirit of God, you know, he tames your tongue. I mean, your words are so valuable. I'm telling you guys, you don't have to waste words. You don't have to beat people down. You can build people up. That's how powerful those words are. It's too bad that nowadays the silver-tongued person is connected to the person who's eloquent, when in all reality the silver-tongued person is the one who speaks God's truth in God's love. You know, the antithesis to this is in the second half of the passage, but the heart of the wicked is worth little. And so, again, just us knowing and assuming that what we're talking about here is that if the heart's bad, then the words will be bad. You know, I don't understand why a Christian would cuss, why they need to throw down F-bombs, you know, or say any type of word that would in any way be slimy. Or ugly and what it does is it reveals the hideousness of one's heart you know when I became saved and I'll tell you what you guys maybe you can believe me maybe you can't but before I was a Christian like every five words was an f-bomb I don't know why it just came out that's just me that was me but the moment I got saved August 20th 1989 the Lord washed my heart. And the reason I knew that is because he washed my mouth. Suddenly, I stopped cussing. Now, I don't know for sure if that's the way it works for everybody. 
But I will say this, that God showed me that's what he wants. And I will say this, that God wants that for you. Don't be one of those Christians who say, well, you know what, I just like to express myself and it's no big deal. You know, it's art or whatever. <laughs> no, it's, it's sick. You know, you wouldn't talk that way in front of your mom or you don't want your kids talking like that. But that shows a bad heart. And, and in case you're wondering, it's not silver for our, you know, riches or precious metal collection. It's food for the soul. Look at verse 21. It says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. And, and what a contrast there, huh? How, how some people, they feed others that they might live, while the fool refuses to be fed himself and dies. What a contrast. You know, they can't give it out and they won't even take it in. They don't contribute to the life of others and they themselves experience a death. One person said they die of famine in the middle of the rich pastures of the gospel. Verse 22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And so, like I was telling you guys earlier, no matter what is going on in your bank account, if you love the Lord and you know he loves you and you're in right relationship with God, you, my friend, are rich. You're like the church of Smyrna, right? He told them, hey, they say you're poor, but I say you're rich. You know, if you had to choose between the two where you could only have one, which would you choose? A million dollars? Or peace of mind? Peace of mind, huh? Did you know there's a lot of millionaires that don't have that? They can't sleep at night? If you had to choose between $2 million or a life of love, which would you choose? It's evident in your heart, right? You would choose love because of your family and friends. And there are many uh, millionaires and even billionaires that never experience love. They don't realize that God loves them. They don't let the love of God come inside and therefore they can't pour out that love or experience that love with anyone else. You know, the riches, uh, it's cool as a Christian, they start now and then they spill over into heaven. And so verse 22 is interesting. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So it, it could mean two things. Number one, it could mean because there are some believers who are rich. And so there are some of you guys, some of you guys out there, that if you were rich, you would still love the Lord. And so let's just say there's a guy over there and he, and he just gets blessed because God knows he can handle it. And so he gets rich and there's no sorrow to it. There's no drama. It doesn't grip his soul. I mean, he's okay with it. That, that's what that verse might mean. But it also might mean this. Let me ask you a question. Where is a place where there is no more sorrow? Heaven. And maybe that's what he's talking about. Because you guys know this just as well as I do, that on this side of time, I don't care how good of a Christian you are, you're going to suffer sorrow. And we go through it. 
You know, we go through it. I don't know why, you know, why cancer? I hate it. You know, why uh, all the heartache that we experience? You know, why? It's because we're not home yet. On this side, we're going to go through the difficulties. But one day, the Bible says, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4, there'll be no more sorrow. And so we see here in verse 23, to do evil is like a sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. And so when I first read this, I was kind of caught off guard because I saw the word sport in the Old Testament. But before I could break out my football analogies, I discovered that the word sport in the Old Testament is usually translated laughter. And basically the tragedy taught here is that the foolish man is able to do evil and to him it's sport. He laughs about it. Rather than experiencing a conscience of conviction, he ends up with a hardened heart of humor. Did you guys hear the, the ice cream man earlier? Right over there during worship? You know what's so cool? I mean, I don't know if you guys feel the same way I, I feel. It doesn't matter if there's a helicopter. It doesn't matter if there's an airplane. It doesn't matter if there's an ice cream truck. When I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping. Amen? Isn't that cool? You can do that, huh? So anyways, um, uh, I read a story, and it was just just such a a bummer. Actually, I didn't read it. I heard about it. Did you guys hear about that guy who was at the 99-cent store with his little ice cream cart? He went inside to get something, and someone stole his ice cream cart. Can you believe that? And I'm thinking, who would do such a thing? This, this, this old man, you can tell he's honest, and this is how he's making a living. And I thought to myself, it's someone like this, someone who doesn't even have a conscience. Huh, there are people out there, right? To do evil is like a sport to a fool. But a man of understanding, he, he has wisdom. He has conviction. He has heart. Verse 24 says, The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. And so the wicked will get what they don't want one day. They're going to receive their greatest fear, right? And the righteous will get what they want or what they've always wanted. You know, the desires of their heart. And so it might not happen now, you guys, but you continue to do right. You continue to follow the Lord. You continue to walk by faith, not feelings. And the Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Just wait on the Lord, man. I've seen the Lord bless people who wait on him. Verse 25, it says, When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. And so the whirlwind is coming, the storm is coming, but what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, he said, If you hear these words of mine and do them, then you're like the wise man who built his house on the rock with a good foundation, and your house, your life, will stand. Verse 26, it says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy man to those who send him. Any of you guys lazy? I'm just joking. I won't make you raise your hand. You know, their form of vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, uh, very, very annoying, right? 
Um, but so also what we see right here is the lazy messenger who's not accurately giving God's word, not delivering the master's message, not willing to labor in that, not willing to labor in prayer, not willing to labor in the study of God's word, not willing to labor and make sacrifices in order to deliver. God says one day they'll give an account. And so uh, all pastors, all teachers, myself, uh, this kind of strikes fear into my heart. Because, you know, you can come to a place where you're like, well, I, I know the Bible and I can read it up and I can, you know, just talk and I'm sure I can get by. Maybe no one will notice. But one of the things that, that I have a conviction about is that God will notice. And, and how can I preach? How can I teach? If I haven't spent time with God and asked him to help me and ask him to put the words on, on the notes, you know, because why I'm, I'm too lazy to study, too lazy to pray. And be careful. If you ever get the opportunity to teach, make sure that you work hard in studying. James 3, 1, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Verse 27, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked, wicked will be shortened. Now again, we've seen this before, not an, an all-encompassing promise, but a general principle, that if we do things God's way, we'll actually live longer, that our lives won't be cut short. And I think, like, I think at the end of the day, we all have a date with death. But I believe it is possible to expedite our exit. As such was the case with Nadab and Abihu. For example, you guys know them in Leviticus. Uh, these were guys that were drinking while they were serving. And uh, therefore, God killed them. Or maybe someone like Korah and the way he rebelled against Moses or Ananias and Sapphira. Remember in Acts chapter 5 how they got killed. And then of course we have King Herod in Acts chapter 12. And so uh, I know um, so many friends. Uh, some of you guys here you probably have uh, family. And you know they died unnecessarily. I had a cousin. Uh, and he was warned and warned and warned to get right with God to get out of the, the family to this, this mafia link that he was in. But he chose not to. And uh, what ended up happening is they killed him. So that'll happen um, if we don't follow the Lord. You know, verse 28, it says, The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And I think this is similar to what we read in verse 24. Ultimately, heaven and hell, I think, with or without God. You know, I mean, I look forward to heaven one day, the ultimate gladness. But what we see the enemy uh, does, Job 8.13, it says, So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Verse 29, it says, The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to workers of iniquity. And so the way of the Lord is strength. Sometimes people are not able to live that life because they have no power. No power. 
You may be here tonight and you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. You got to get plugged in. There is no unction for your function. You might know what to do, but you just can't do it because the devil comes up to you and he socks you in the face every time and you can't, you can't handle it because you've got no strength. But, but those who make the Lord their strength, for Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With the workers of iniquity is destruction. And the word destruction found 13 times in the book of Proverbs is there to warn us only because God does not want that for our future. You know, you guys coming on a Thursday night and look at you, it's getting a little cooler and, the, and it's getting darker and you're still here. Um, my prayer is that you would not only come tonight and like go out and, and kind of like, you know, survive. My prayer is that God would anoint you tonight, that the Holy Spirit will lay hands on you and you would go out of here uh, different than others, like mighty men and women of valor. Uh, my prayer is that it's not in vain, and you guys don't have to worry about, like, well, I can't do it. I don't got the words, or I don't got the power. That's when you just let God take over. Do you want that? I, I pray you do. Otherwise, we see the contrast here. Notice verse 30, the righteous will never be removed but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. It's so cool. You don't have to worry, oh, they're going to take my spot, whatever the case may be. You know, uh, they're going to get me. No way. God's got, God's got your back, man. Are you a, a man or woman of integrity? I'm not talking about perfect, but proper. I'm talking about sincere. Genuine love for God and the people. That, that righteousness will never permit you to be moved, right? And it's so cool because then one day, um, you guys know the whole system, right? First the rapture of the church and the seven-year tribulation. Jesus comes back, a thousand-year reign of Christ. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. Now, in Revelation chapter 21, when he creates the new earth, um, it's going to be this earth, but it's going to be um, glorified. So it's kind of like you, like me, It'll still be me when in heaven, but I'll be taller. Kind of like that, right? But it'll still be me, okay? And so the new earth, it'll still be the earth. And I'm, I don't know for sure exactly how it's going to be, you know, with this earth. Was it all one continent at time? Is there such a thing as continental drift? Uh, will there be a Hawaii? Will there be an Almani? I think so. I think there will be, and I know there'll be a Jerusalem. And so we will inhabit the earth in that sense but not the righteous because they're going to be in hell verse 31 it says the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom but the perverse tongue will be cut out ouch <laughs> the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse that's why, James, it says this, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The Bible says, He who would love life, 
let him refrain from speaking evil. I'm telling you guys, as you walk away today, and I don't know what you have going on, the one thing that stands out to me from the Proverbs that we covered tonight is how we need to be so careful with the words that we speak. Slow down. Slow down and ask God, am I okay to say this? And, and the only way those words will ever be right is if your heart is right. Maybe there's some of you here tonight and you come to church, great, and you might even serve, great. But your heart is not right before God. Ask God to touch your heart tonight. Maybe there's some of you that are watching and at the end of the day, you know, you're, gonna, you're ready to turn it off and the study's over and you're going to go do whatever it is and, and, that, and yet the living God is here but kind of putting his finger on your heart. And he's saying, let me meddle with the middle. Let me transform, creating you a clean heart. Because you don't want to just go back to the, the vomit, the old life. And so we need God to touch our heart. Only he can. So that then we can talk and speak words of life, choice, silver. I mean, things that will build up that will be so amazing. God will use you. God is willing to use us as vessels. We just have to be open. Let me close with this last uh, saying. It says, Guard well thy tongue. It stretches far. For what you say tells who you are. Amen? <laughs> Let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you for your people, Lord. And uh, I just pray, Father, that you would touch our hearts and that, Lord, you would fill us up with the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, um, I don't know if they're going to feel it, but I pray they would. I pray that right now they would sense the Holy Spirit just smiling on them and touching their life, Father God. But even if not, because I know so many times it's better if you don't feel it, but we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by feelings that, Lord, your word says, if anyone asks for the Holy Spirit, then you would give that gift to your children. And so tonight, Lord, give us wisdom. Bless your people. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who's not in right relationship with you, that they would repent of whatever sin is getting in the way. None of us are perfect, but some people need to let go of that, that person or that thing that's coming between them and you. Help them, Lord, tonight. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who's not a Christian, anyone watching this video one day who's not a Christian, that today, Lord, they would give their life to Jesus Christ, believe on him, the one who died for their sins, and rose again. And they would say, yes, Jesus, I believe. Come into my life. I want a new start. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand together and uh, we have one more song. And then afterwards, if you're here and you need prayer, uh, we'll hang out here in the front and we would love to pray with you. Okay? God bless.
ね」